about, about 11 years ago, uh, I was a radio DJ in Bakersfield, California, and there was this guy that kept calling from the future to the radio show, and we couldn't figure it out. Um, he eventually explained it to us. He was in Thailand, and Thailand was 16 hours ahead, so he would call on Tuesday while we were wrapping up our Monday afternoon and tell us how Tuesday was going in Thailand. Um, it started as a joke. It turned into a weekly radio bit where we would have Cecil from the future call and tell us how tomorrow is going to go. Um, that formed a friendship and led to uh, ultimately uh, when Cecil and his wife Tracy, who were from Bakersfield, came home on uh, furlough. Is that what we still call it? Is that the right word? I don't even know what that means. I just always heard it. Uh, but anyway, they would come home on a break, and he came to the radio studio. He walked into the studio, and he said, get out of that seat and give me a hug. <laughs> to which I said, yes, sir. Uh, he then proceeded to hug the soul out of me and put the spirit of God into me. It was a weird experience. I've never recovered from it. Um, uh, they have two incredible boys. They're coming up on a decade. We're eight years in. Is that, that right? Ten years in. I'm stealing your thunder. Uh, to uh, being in Thailand, they're going to today, uh, they're part of our supported missionaries. When you give, part of what you give goes to support the work they're doing. They've planted the first Christian church in a village of 10,000 people. Yeah. Um, these are good friends of mine. Cecil is lots of energy and Tracy is lots of wisdom and together they are a dynamic duo. And uh, I, I want, I, I'm just so excited for you to get to meet them in person. I know you're going to love them. Uh, but before they come up, we want you to see this video of where they're at and the work they're doing in Thailand. So check it out. Oh, yeah. Full screen mode in three, two, one. A couple days ago, we had the opportunity to go to a temple and hear about Buddhism from a monk. And Judah, our 10-year-old, he was like teary-eyed afterwards. And he came up to me and he said, Mom, I feel so sad that um, the Buddhists are believing they have to work so hard. Like there's no rescuer, there's no savior for them. And I said, well, that's why we're here, Judah, um, because we have hope, we have freedom, that the Buddhists don't know about, and we want them desperately to, to experience that freedom, and that freedom is in Jesus. Tracy and I had a heart to go to a nation that uh, really desperately needed uh, the gospel and to get to know Jesus Christ where there was very few opportunities. So we've been to different places, but Thailand was one that the Lord just really underscored for us. Our team here in uh, Pantong, uh, Chomburi, here in Thailand, it consists of national leaders, Pimot Pilot, Tracy, myself, and uh, we have a home church plant here in Pantong that there has never been a church, as far as we know, I mean, for the past 2,000 years, man. สิ่งที่รู้สึกว่าเอ่อเป็นอุปสรรคมากๆสําหรับคนไทยคือลูกเคารพแล้วก็บรรพบุรุษที่คนไทยนั้นได้ถูกปลูกฝังมาตั้ง
คนในชุมชนได้เห็นพระเยซูในชีวิตของเราไม่ว่าจะเป็นการแจกสิ่งของการสร้างความสัมพันธ์การมีเพื่อนอเป็นนิมิตในการรับใช้ในการประกาศในสถานที่ที่เราพักอาศัยอยู่ Overseas missions, there's always struggles. One is the difference of culture, so different from you know where I come from in California, uh, the difference of language, and uh, and the heat as well, man. I mean, it is hot here in Thailand, and it's humid. Those struggles of always feeling like the outsider, and I think also the distance from many of our friends and family has been tough too. When Jesus said, "Go and make disciples," there's no other life for us, for me and and our family. There's There's no American dream. There's just making disciples, and so it's all the hardships are worth it because we're fulfilling what we feel like Jesus has called our family to do. For me, uh, Jesus is worth it because I I desperately desire for the people in Southeast Asia, in Thailand in particular, to love and know and worship our King, bro. Um, he loves them. He cares about them, and um, and I just want to be a vessel to demonstrate His love and affection and and concern for them. Pantong in Chonburi here is a town of over 10,000, and we're the only Western family here. And there's probably 20 believers in this town, including our family of four. And there is an opportunity for every person in every season of life to come and join us and to make disciples here in Pantong. Retired people, college students in their gap year, families. ประเทศไทยมีความต้องการมากที่อยากจะให้มิชชั่นนั้นเข้ามามีส่วนร่วมในงานรับใช้ของพระเจ้าเพื่องานของพระเจ้านั้นจะเกิดผลอย่างมากมายก็อยากจะให้มิชชั่นได้มีโอกาสเข้ามาสัมผัสรับใช้ร่วมงานรับใช้กับคนไทยแล้วก็มีส่วนร่วมในการอธิษฐานเผื่อแล้วก็ในด้านต่างๆที่ยังยังต้องการนะคะเพราะมิชชั่นมีความมีความจําเป็นแล้วก็สําคัญในประเทศไทยค่ะในตอนนี้ที่จะเข้ามาช่วยคนไทยให้มีกำลังขึ้นในการรับใช้พระเจ้าเพื่องานของพระเจ้านั้นจะสำเร็จเอเมนเอเมนกูจะเซียนกูจะเซียนกูจะเซียนไทยแลนด์สาวัดดีครับสาวัดดีครับ um, hello, my name is Olas. Nice to meet you. And I am 14 years old. Yes, sir. Sometimes on the mission field, we, we forget how old we are. Sometimes we forget how old we are. Uh, anyhow, it's really wonderful to uh, meet you guys. Thank you, Pastor Russ. It is such an honor. I've been looking forward to meeting you in person, seeing you all this way. I follow you guys on YouTube and worship with you, uh, rock out with you. Usually in Thailand, we don't need earplugs. But what I do here, so I love it. I think it's because I'm get, uh, getting older and the, 
the worship is getting more vibrant. So praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anyways, yeah. And I love all that. Uh, it's my first, like our first time to the south, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. From California. It's amazing. You got all that southern comfort food. We don't have that in Thailand. <laughs> and we're, we're in the south with Southeast Asia. Food in, over there is a little bit different. They don't have waffle houses, nothing. They got like <laughs> rice or noodle houses, but that's kind of yeah, different, that's right? It. Anyhow, um, just wanted to say that, uh, yes, my family and I have been in Thailand for 10 years. Such an amazing opportunity. Uh, no one in my family has been a pastor or priest or preacher or any of that or missionary. Uh, neither Tracy's family as well. I grew up, grew up Catholic, first 20 years of my life. Uh, about 20 years old, uh, was walking far from, away from the Lord, away from Jesus. I don't think it was the Catholic Church's fault. It was my fault. I fell away from, from the Lord. God got a hold of my life 21 years ago. Um, when I, I know you're thinking like, well, that, that, was that when we were like five? No, thank you. Thank you. No, no. I, Lord bless you. That's what we're supposed to say over here. Lord bless you. Bless your heart. Um, but, uh, but uh, no, it was, yeah, it was, uh, I was in college and I was 20 years old and Jesus uh, radically transformed me. And uh, so um, shortly after that, that was in June of 2002. A couple of years later, I don't know if any of you all remember, but uh, there was a tsunami. Do you, raise your hand if you remember the tsunami that hit Southeast Asia, Indonesia. Devastation. Thank you. Those of you who are like 20 and under, we'll talk to you about it later. But, um, but uh, the church that we were a part of um, sent teams, overseas missions to Southeast Asia. I've never been on like a mission team, but I signed up and, and they accepted me. And it was in Southeast Asia that I got a, a heart for, for missions, an older uh, brother, who was a Mexican guy from California as well. He's like, babe, we need some color over here. Like, what do you think? Serve Jesus, like, serve the Lord, bring some of that fiesta passion and salsa, praise God. And, uh, and, and I had all kinds of questions. Um, I said, I have no idea how this works. He answered all my questions. And I came back, and Tracy and I were dating for about three, uh, three months. And I said, I, said, uh, I said, girl, I'm super into you. I said, I don't know what her future, so that's kind of how, how we talk in California. You'll learn, fellas. We'll, we'll teach you. I know. He was like, oh, my gosh. Uh, I said, but I'm going to serve Jesus, and, uh, and I don't know what that looks like. It probably might be Thailand, might be somewhere else. I don't know. But I'm going to serve the Lord, and I can't necessarily promise you like the American dream, but I'm going to promise you I'm going to serve the Lord, and, and uh, if you want to roll with me, like, that's where I'm headed. And Tracy said, that's my heart. That's all I need is you and Jesus. Let's, let's do it together. So we've been there for 10 years. Uh, praise God. And, and like Pastor Russ said, the first year and a half, we were in the north in Chiang Mai, a city in, uh, in the north of Thailand, learning language. In the past eight and a half years, we've been to a, a province called Chonburi. If you're familiar with Thailand, it's about an hour, hour outside of Bangkok. And uh, in the small town that we live in of 10,000, there's never been a church, or rather Jesus community, family of God, worshiping Jesus together. We're not huge. Average church in Thailand is like 15, 18 people. We have about 15, 18 people on a Sunday. Uh, but Jesus is moving. You're going to hear some more uh, stories later, later today um, about how we've been making disciples and how he's been transforming lives. But first, we would like to teach them a little time. Yeah, is that let's cool? do that. Is that cool? So uh, can you all stand up for a minute? You all just stand yep. up. And so when we greet each other, you put your hands like praying hands like this, okay? And the, the older the person is, the higher it goes, all right? So like if, if I'm getting a kid, I might keep it down here, but he might keep it a little bit higher to show me some res respect, right? And so the, the, the hello is, it's like three syllables, sa-wat-di. You want to say it with me? Count three. Ready? One, two, three. Sa-wat-di. Sa Ooh, that sounds good. That was good, good guys. Use that in a Way Thai restaurant, though. They gave you some extra noodles or mango rice <laughs> or mango yeah. and sticky rice, I promise. So at the, at the end of it, if you're a man, you say kap or klap at the end of it to be polite. There's not a translation for it. So I would say sa wat di kap and do a little bow. And the women, it's super, super pretty. The women say it like this. Go ahead, baby. Wait. Oh, oi, oi, you got that. Sa wat di kap. I know. Oh, I know. I just see the bless your heart thing. I see some, some ladies have their hat. They're like, oh, that is so sweet. 
<laughs> Bless her heart. Bless her. So we're going we're gonna to try that. So y'all go ahead and say it to each other. So, so the older one goes first. So figure that out. All right. Go ahead. Sawadee cop and sawadee cop. Go ahead. Go ahead. Practice it. There you go. There you go. Sawadee cop. Good job. They're doing it, sis. They can come. They can come see us now. That's right. That's right. Go ahead. Y'all can, can have a seat. Y'all can have a seat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Cecil. We should all meet a Thai restaurant after this, baby. All I know, of us. right? I do miss Thai people, actually. They are so friendly and wonderful. Oh, my gosh. You guys, thank you so much for having us here. Can you guys see me and Cecil? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I know. She's so, she's so pretty. I'd like to see the backside a little bit. Sorry oh, my gosh. I'm the side. The side. Wow. The side. Yeah. <laughs> my support, wow. my support is going to go back. Or maybe up. The maybe, the, maybe it's going to go up. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> that's, when you're uncomfortable, that's you're so safe right here, baby. You guys, uh, we moved to Thailand, and, and we live, like, like Cecil said, we live in a town of 10,000, and I was going out in the town, and I was like, Cecil. That's what they call him there. His Cecil. name isn't Cecil. It's Cecil. Cecil. And my name isn't Tracy. It's Tussie. Tussie. Or Taxi. Taxi. Yeah. yeah. Taxi. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Just, just say it. Anyways, I was walking around. I came back. I was like, Cecil, we are the only white people here. And uh, then Cecil's like. I was like, just you, baby. <laughs> we, keep it, we keep it browning down around here, girl. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. People sometimes think Cecil's a Thai guy, so it's lots of fun. I could pass for like any race, really, to be yeah. honest. No, not really. Not, not, well, not any. Not in that shirt. Um, yeah, so if you want to go on to the first slide, after we mo first moved to Thailand, actually, thank you, this is, this is us, guys, this is when we first arrived in Thailand, and then most recently here, um, the, go ahead, the next slide, after we first moved to Thailand, or to Pantong eight years ago, I found myself feeling pretty intimidated spiritually, um, while making breakfast in the morning, I could smell the incense burning from our neighbor's uh, daily spiritual offerings. Uh, when I would throw trash out, I could see the monks robed in their bright orange, walking barefoot, um, going around, making rounds in the morning, asking for offerings. And day after day, um, I witnessed my neighbors frantically running out of their houses with like a, uh, a bowl of food offering and a drink offering and falling on their knees, falling on their faces in front of the monks that would pass by, um, doing their hands in a Y and, and begging the monks for a blessing. Mm -hmm. In the afternoons and sometimes on the weekends, um, when our windows are open, uh, we could hear the monotone chanting of the monks um, echoing into our house because the temples are just across the street. And resting in my living room or walking down the street sometimes, uh, I have been repeatedly startled by the loud popping of Chinese firecrackers. Have you guys ever heard loud uh, firecrackers? Um, and they light the, these firecrackers to scare away the evil spirits. And fear was building up in me. Until one day when I was driving down the, the street in our town, I cried out trembling to the Lord. I said, Lord, I feel scared. It seems like... Um, there is a temple of the enemy in every neighborhood. There's a spirit house. Oh, can you go back one more slide, please? There's a spirit house in front of every home, every property, every business. There is a shrine to ancestral spirits inside every home. 
And every home and property has welcomed evil spirits. But if we few are the only temples of your Holy Spirit in this place, then I feel outnumbered here. Mm -hmm. You are outnumbered here, Jesus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just driving down the road. And I heard him clearly say to my heart, I have been doing a work in the hearts of the people here for generations, and I don't need any of you. He think, actually, yeah. he yeah, actually said, I, I'd, I'd say that for the, for the uh, Canadians and the Californians, <laughs> but he actually said, I don't need any of y'all. That's what he said. <laughs> he really did. That's not a joke. Um, when we, and then it was then, then at that time that I realized that God himself was making his own name great in Pantong. When we returned to Thailand two years ago, the whole country was wearing masks, of course. California had already opened up and taken their mask off. But when we returned to Thailand, everybody was still wearing masks. And we, we were locked in our state-mandated 16-day quarantine in Bangkok. Um, we would look down from our 10th-story window that we were locked in there for 16 days. And there was not, there was not a car on the street. It was silent. In Bangkok, like Los Angeles, a ginormous city, right? And then when we were finally released to go back to Pantong, we saw that the rules of life had changed a lot there. Um, there was wave after wave of COVID in that place. We could gather and worship in groups no greater than 20, and then 10, and then 5, and there was curfew, and I personally was plagued by the fact uh, that if the boys would be infected with COVID, they would be sent to the hospital by themselves and have to stay there in a different language, in a different country there in Thailand. And since our Pantong believers there are living hand to mouth, which means whatever money that they make during the day, they use to buy dinner for their families. Since they're living hand-to-mouth, we knew that if they would be infected and have to quarantine for two weeks, that their family would probably face starvation. And not just our brothers and sisters, but the entire community. And month and after month, our family and our Thai brothers and sisters all felt the weight of scarcity and fear. In this next slide, our teammate we were just feeling heavy and remembering Jesus's words. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. <laughs> and so our community of believers decided to prepare food to give away. And in the bags of food, we would include a track or a Gideon Bible or ever other pamphlets about Jesus. And the first Sunday that we gave food away, we provided 60 bags of dry food. And then the next Sunday, about 200. And the next Sunday, 350 the next Sunday, 450. Once or twice a month for several months, people in our village were lined up single file from our house in the little alley where we gave it away from all the way down around the corner, all the way into in front of the hospital to get a bag of free food, all wearing masks, almost no talking, all a meter apart, the Thais, the Cambodians, the Burmese, the migrant workers from the metal shacks, and the middle-class Thais who live next door. Everyone needed food. And our team prayed that God would make his name great in Pantong. A few years ago, I was sitting in a salon chair in Fa, um, the Buddhist hairstylist. She said, all Buddha does is take and take. 
He asks for my food offering and my drink offering, and he, he just demands that I give. But I, I, heard, that, I heard that you're Jesus. He, he gives something back. He gives something back to you. One time I heard somebody saying, what are the Westerners doing here? <laughs> so it's at those moments I wish I didn't really know Thai. <laughs> <laughs> Do they teach English? And our neighbor who is selling pork across the street, um, I heard her say, yeah, sometimes they do. And sometimes they give away food and they have Thai friends. And, and the Thai friends come over on Sunday and they sing songs. And I guess it's about Jesus. And they're the children of God. Mm. And Cece and I have never shared that expression with her at all. How did she know that? Mm-hmm. Do you know who Jesus is? My Thai teammate um, in the video asked the man who stopped by our house, who daily sale or weekly came by to sell coconut, he says, "Yeah, yeah, I have his book." <laughs> there are not really Christians in our town, right? How does this guy have the book? And he he went around to the passenger side of his car and he pulled out like this tattered, small blue Gideon Bible, and he was waving it all around and he was super excited. He said, "I've been carrying it around everywhere I go. I've been reading. I've been reading about that Jesus." He said, I found it on the ground. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There was a stranger at the door one morning, and as I opened the door, I saw a man in his 60s, and he was dressed like he was selling produce at the outside market, and I could tell that he was like the lowest of the socioeconomic group there in our town, and he said, I'm sick, my throat, and I was like, oh, dang, (laughs) and I was like, is he going to notice if I pull my mask out right now? (laughs) throat no I said I'm sorry sir there's no doctor here this is our home and I was confused and he said but my throat my sister said I could come here I could come here for healing Mm -hmm. and I didn't know his sister I assured him there was no doctor there but then I thought maybe he wasn't there for a doctor he was there for healing and so um, I said I don't have a doctor But I do know the one God who created you and created the universe, the one God that has the power to heal you. And I could ask him to heal you. Would you like that? And he said yes. And he he put his hands up like the Buddhists do to receive a blessing from the monks. And he closed his eyes. And I put my hand on his shoulder. And I prayed that the one true God, the creator of everything, uh, who had the power to heal him, uh, would heal him. And I prayed against any other spirit that he had invited into his life Mm -hmm. and any other spirit that was laying claim, that was was claiming his life. Mm -hmm. Um, He walked away very pleased after that. And I don't know about his throat. I don't know if he was healed. (laughs) He was very pleased, though. Uh, But what I do know is that God is making his name great in Pantong. Um, a few years ago, my teammate and I started to go to PUE's house to visit. On this next slide, you can see her. Um, her home was mostly a single room where you walk in and they would sleep and they would eat there. And in the very back of the room, all the pots and pans were hanging on the wall. And there was a, a gas stove and uh, the walls had been white at one point, but now they were just filthy and black with greasy fingers and... Uh, my teammate and I would walk through the door and like this and like just a little path 
through the, the living area, and we would sit down at the table, and there's a couple babies on the floor on the mats, right, playing with the cell phone or, like, a single plastic toy, something, you know, whatever, and just piles around the living room of things that look like they've never been touched since they were laid there, and and Pilot, our teammate and I, who was in the video, uh, we would go and we would open our Bibles with Sister Yui, P-U-E, and... Uh, and she wasn't a believer, but we would, uh, we would sit and we would share our fruit together, open the Bibles, and we would read a single verse and then just talk about how it could apply to each of us. And her two high school kids and her husband had decided to follow Jesus earlier, but she did not, she did not want that. She was a Buddhist. She was a very proud Buddhist, but she liked having spiritual conversations with us. Um, one day we went there to visit her and right there on our Bible table, all of a sudden was this red and gold Chinese Buddhist, um, shrine and Buddha himself <laughs> and a little, a little cup with incense that had been burning there and a rice offering sitting there on the Bible table himself laughing gloating at us, right? The audacity of the enemy to put himself right there on the Bible table. Lot and I were uh, confused, to say the least, and we're like, oh, <laughs> where did this come from? There's lots of smiling in Thailand. You know, oh, what is this? Where did this come from? God bless you, whatever. What do they say? The, oh, bless your heart. Where did this come from? You know, and whatever. And, uh, and she said, Oh, um, this was my mother's shrine. My sister had been serving it, but she can't serve it anymore. So she brought it over, and now I serve it. And so she and Lot continued talking about this or that, whatever. And the confusion that was in my heart changed to anger. But we we're, not, we're not supposed to be angry in Thailand <laughs> on the outside. <laughs> and so on the inside, like, something snapped, and I was infuriated. I could not believe that the enemy had done this. And I didn't, like, fashion cords and start whipping it or anything <laughs> like Jesus would have done. But um, I was uh, really confused by that. And I was like, oh, so can you give it back? <laughs> and she's like, no, I need to serve it now. Uh, and then she became increasingly busy, and we never went back to, to, to study Bibles at that table again. Last June, our Pantong church was our Pantong church's first baptism, and we invited PUE and her family to join us as we invited them to all of the functions. And she says, we'll go, but I'm not getting baptized. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course not, of course not. And so um, the day that it was happening, I was driving the car, and all the ladies were in my car, and we went by to pick up PUE, and she got in, and we're like, oh, we're so excited you're here, yada, yada. And she's like, yeah, but I'm not getting baptized. <laughs> And we're like, yeah, girlfriend, you're not, you're not. <laughs> Baptism's just for people who want to follow Jesus. And, and uh, so, no, there's no pressure for you to be baptized today. It's some other people who decided to follow Jesus. And she had a good time there. And she felt pressure-free. And then this next Christmas, this last Christmas, she and her family came to the Believer's Gift Exchange. And she, when she came in the door, she was beaming, thrilled, she came in through the front door. They don't even knock. She just come in, and I was in the kitchen, and so we, like, ran to meet each other. It was, like, slow motion, and she was, like, 
skipping towards me, and she's like maybe in her 60s or something like that. And I'm not sure if she was actually skipping, baby. It, in my <laughs> mind, she was skipping, okay? I was skipping as well. We were both skipping towards each other. And she was beaming. She says, you know, we've been around more, and we've been praying with you guys more. And I'm like, yeah. She said, and we've even been praying to Jesus at home by ourselves. And I was like, dang. <laughs> and she said, um, because of COVID, we don't have a lot of money. In fact, we don't have enough money to make ends meet anymore. Um, and so we asked Jesus to help us out. We asked him to do a miracle, and you won't believe it. Joe, her husband, just got his Christmas bonus, and it's three times as much as we normally get. Jesus did a miracle. And we called up and we talked to his family. Yeah. She said, we, we talked to his family, told him all about Jesus, and guess what? They're 80% ready to let us follow Jesus. Just 20%, y'all. Just, Just 20%. 20% more. <laughs> Um, Yui, P.U.E., who had been a hardened Buddhist, was now so delighted that she only had 20% left to go. And she's almost there. Please pray for Yui. She's still in that 20%. She's still not decided to follow Jesus, but she's almost there. 20% is so little for a Thai Buddhist. She is almost there. In this last term in Thailand, I went from feeling intimidated by the enemy to feeling amazed that he has a plan for the people of Pantong. And he himself is making his name great in that place. So thank you for letting me share. Where are you going? Thanks so much, love. You know, I don't, I don't sit. I can't sit. Pat, can't I'm sorry, sit. Pat. I can't sit. I got to stand. Okay. All this. Can you Mexican, guys still see him if, if I'm sitting the, here? The okay. Mexican blood just flowing, baby. It just flows. I got to stand. So um, anyhow, uh, the next slide is a little picture of, of Jesus. I like to sometimes think of what Jesus uh, uh, looks like at times, and perhaps he, he looks like that. I love, I love um, uh, his, um, yeah, just compassion and grace, right? So uh, what are we to do in life? I think Jesus makes it clear, Matthew chapter 28, uh, Pastor Russ alluded to it, Matt, Matthew chapter 28, one of the last things that G Jesus says in the book, in the gospel of Matthew, uh, starting around verse 16, uh, after he was resurrected, turned to his disciples, and it said they worshipped him, but yet some doubted. Friends, you ever feel like that? You ever feel like, yeah, I, I mean, I believe in you, Jesus, but there's, there's fear, insecurity, pain, doubt, doubt at times. Um, some doubted. And, uh, and Jesus goes on to say, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I've taught you. Teaching them to obey all that I've taught you. And not just that, but I am with you to the ends of the age. So how do we make disciples of all nations, friends? As soon as you tell me, that'd be good because we're going back in about five months. So it'll be good to know. Um, my understanding is that Jesus uh, gives us the great, uh, great commission, excuse me, this great commission, he commissions us out. He commissions us out. He's, he, uh, he desires for us to make disciples locally, uh, nationally, uh, and globally. So he is, he is, uh, he's global, but he's also local, right? He's, he's both. He's, he's global. That's what it is, right? <laughs> and, um, and so the great commission, I believe, uh, should be coupled with um, the great commandment. 
the great commandment, uh, also in Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 22, I believe it starts in verse 36. Jesus is talking to uh, the religious leaders of the time, Pharisees and Sadducees. And, um, and one of the lawyers tries to, to catch Jesus, always trying to catch Jesus, right? Uh, and to catch 22. And says, what is, the greatest what is the greatest commandment? Like, you tell me. You know, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus quotes in the Old Testament. He actually collapses two verses together. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, and Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. He collapses both these together. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind. Sorry, water, you're in my way. Love mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And then he says, in the second, is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus, how do you want me to do this great commission? My family and I going overseas. Uh, Tracy uh, mentioned that we're in a town about 10,000. Uh, no one else really there from um, uh, anywhere but, but Thailand, right? Everyone speaks Thai. So Jesus, how do you want us, how do you want us to make disciples uh, of the people in Thailand? Well, I think first to love the Lord your God with everything that you have. Time, resources, money, everything. Everything that you have. Your passion, right? Your desire, your hopes and dreams for your future and your kids as well. I remember when we first went out, uh, I was a teacher for, for five, five years, special education teacher, loved that job, every second of it. And before we went out, I would tell all the staff, the, all the other teachers and the, uh, the gals in the office, and they said, oh, you, this is your fifth year teaching, Mr. Ramos, you're done? Like, you're, you're going to do this thing that you've been talking about for five years, going on the mission field, going overseas, um, being a, a missionary. I actually preferred the term global worker because uh, a lot of times overseas, uh, the word missionary has a lot of baggage, and, all, and especially in, in countries that are restricted or closed access country, uh, that, that, uh, that term could flag a lot of our national workers. And so we try to use the term global servants or global worker. And uh, they, asked our, they asked, so how long are going to be? I said, well, probably at least 10 years, at least 10 years. Might turn into 20 or 30 um, or we want, might just be buried there. And uh, they said 10 years. And then the next question was, are you going to take your kids? Like, real? <laughs> They're like two and a half in Florida. Like, what do you want me to do? Like a big mountain of Cheetos and like, you know, iPads. Like, have fun, kids. See you in 10 years. Like, yeah, yeah, they're coming. Like, yeah, they're coming. They got to come. Um, uh, so the, the boys have been with uh, five, uh, fun facts. Sorry, I didn't say this uh, uh, earlier. And the boys hate this joke. But uh, they went with their two and a half and four and a half. They're um, 12 and 14 right now. Uh, they're born on the same birthday, exactly two day, two years apart, same day, July 9th. Isn't that amazing? I'm a Mexican Mennonite missionary, so that's how we do it. One cake, two boys. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah, bless you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, I know. I'm saying, sorry. They heard that joke like 124 times. So uh, in, in this next slide, there's a picture of one of our friends. Her name is Mali. And I don't know if you guys know about Thailand, but Thailand is huge on human trafficking and prostitution as well. Mali was actually uh, a woman who came from a lot of brokenness, and uh, she, she was not uh, trafficked, but she willingly uh, was addicted to drugs and uh, became a s enslaved to it. And so she uh, was a prostitute, and that's how she would make her money to uh, uh, buy, buy her drugs. She had four children, and, um, and uh, about, four, about four years ago, her older brother, Pastor Somchai, uh, went to go visit her and says, um, I, want, I need to share Jesus with you. Share Jesus with, with Mali. She came, she came uh, to faith, and she lives close to us, about 10-minute uh, drive with her four kids, uh, three girls, one boy. Uh, the boy's about eight, nine years old. He usually stays with us. On the weekends, we usually have about three or four Thai boys stay and hang out with uh, my boys, and we all speak, uh, speak Thai, and we give them uh, pancakes and eggs and sausages and um, bacon on um, Saturday morning because, you know, Thai food, right? That's... 
It's not really Thai food, but still, they love it, man. And, uh, and so she was at her house hanging out, and her kids were over. And uh, she says, Cecil, you know, I, uh, I, I don't know how to be a mom. Like, my mom uh, raised my kids. I don't, I don't know how to be a mom. I'm learning how to be a mom, but I don't know how to be a mom. And I said, when's the last time you told your kids that you loved them and that you're proud of them? She says, I've never, I've never told them that. <clears throat> I said, that's great because we're in practice today. And I said, I said your daughter, um, Bam, she's in the next room, 12 years old, I think. I said, well, how about you watch me and then you do it. She said, okay. She was nervous. She was like, oh, I'm getting goosebumps. I'm like, all right, it's all right. It's, 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 not, it's not a big deal. I said, Bam, come here. Come here. Let me talk to you. And so she, Bam, Bam came over, and I sat down, and I held her hand. and said, Bam, I just want to tell you, you're such a lovely young lady. I love you. God loves you. And Uncle Cecil is so proud of you. And then, and then I said, okay, Molly, your turn. Your turn. And she was like, okay. She's laughing, nervous. <laughs> That's kind of what they do when they're nervous in Thailand. She laughed. She held Bam's um, uh, hand and said, uh, Mama loves you, and I'm so proud of you. I love you so much, ma'am. You're such a great girl. Give a big hug. And she was like, oh, I never did that. I said, well, that's great. You got more kids, <laughs> too. And so the eldest at that time was about um, uh, 18, and, um, and her name was Beam. There's kind of a theme, right? Bam, Beam, sticking with bees. Anyways, and uh, so I said, Beam, I said, come in. Come in here. We're hanging out in the kitchen. I said, come in here. Me and your mom need to talk to you real quick. And Beam comes in, and uh, y'all was beautiful. She looked at Beam, and and, uh, they, and, and, I, and well, first I encouraged Beam, and then I said, okay, Molly, now it's your turn. And then she turned to Beam, she held her hand. And she looked down. She was so ashamed of the fact that she hadn't been involved in Beam's life, her entire life. And she finally um, uh, uh, mustered uh, enough courage to say, Beam, I know I have not been a good mom for a really long time. And we've suffered together, me and you. And you've pressed on. You've had to work. You've had to st step up to the plate. And in fact, you've had to help me raise your little brothers and sisters. And I want to say that I'm sorry. And that God loves you. Jesus loves you. And Mama's so proud of you. On this next slide, we got a picture. <clears throat> Y'all don't know I was a big crybaby. Pastor, you should have told him. You're supposed to tell him, Pastor Russ. And this next picture is a, is a, uh, a man by the name of uh, Sompong, P. Sompong. P. Uh, P is how you say older brother. So uh, you say their name and P in front of it. So his name is P. Sompong. And P. Sompong, he, um, he had this cancer. He lived in a small village and he had this, uh, this cancer that was killing him. Obviously, he was skin and bones. And uh, some of our friends in the video, you saw P. Lot, who's uh, uh, in, the, in the church that we, that we have. Uh, we, we function as a family. We come together and we worship. And you saw that couple there, Pilot, Pilot. Pilot she, um, uh, she was the one being in, um, interviewed, but her husband's Pimot. So they bought a little piece of land. And right next to them was, uh, was that guy, Pisompong. And uh, the, mom, uh, the mom said, hey, you guys follow Jesus. Can you pray for my son? Like he's deathly ill. Um, he went to the hospital, and the hospital basically sent him home to die. Like he doesn't have much to live. Uh, and so he went there to see Pi Sompong, skin and bones, and uh, he went to pray for him. But he heard um, uh, Pi Mot, uh, brother, brother in Christ, he heard this voice in his, his, in his heart say, um, uh, give him Jesus. Give him Jesus in tithes. Hi, hi, praye sucre. Hi, praye sucre. And he was like, is that me, Lord? Is that, is that you? Give him Jesus. And so he says, okay, Lord, okay. I'll do it. 
And so he prayed over peace on bone. He prayed over peace on bone in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Give him Jesus. Give him Jesus. And he said, okay, Lord, I prayed. Prayed over him. Prayed over in the name of Jesus. Told him about Jesus. He was, could barely look at me. And then after that, uh, a couple days later, he was actually able to sit up. A couple, couple weeks after that, he was actually able to, to walk around. Start eating again. The next picture is uh, Peace and Bong today. He gave him Jesus. <laughs> Friends, give him Jesus. So we're called to make disciples of all, all nations. Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that God has taught us. And Jesus is with us, friend, even to the end uh, of the age. He's with us to the end of the age. Um, you know, I, uh, I was, uh, in, I was in, in this prison cell and I was waiting for them to call someone. And I uh, uh, went to go see my dad. That's about, 20, that's about 21 years ago. And um, in California... He was, he was locked up. Like, I don't know if I, I mentioned my parents divorced when I was about five. Born in Los Angeles, parents divorced when I was about five. From there, we moved to Bakersfield, California. So much hurt and anger in my heart because he wasn't part of my life. So many insecurities and fears I had to work through by myself. Not him teaching me what it means to be a man, to be strong, to be confident, to be courageous, to face this, this world with, with a smile on my face, with love in my heart and still in my spine. He didn't teach me that. So much anger towards him. Here I am, a 20-year-old kid. Uh, at the prison cell, and, they, and the guards called, he's a senior, Cecil Ramos, you got a guest. He said, who is it? They said, I don't know. He comes around the corner. I couldn't, couldn't uh, touch him, but there was that, that window, had a phone where I could just talk to him. He looked, he took a big, deep breath his, with o his orange jumpsuit. And the reason was, because the last time we talked, I just, I ripped into him. I let him have it. Because I had so much anger and hate and pain in my heart. But when my dad didn't recognize us six months earlier, I found myself at this MB church, Mennonite Brethren, MB church where Tracy grew up, and the pastor in the front uh, said, if you've never given your life to Jesus, come to the front of the altar, give him your, your life. And the, the wrestle of my soul was, God, I know that you want to call me to the front and give me and have me give you my life, like all of it, but why didn't you give me the thing I really wanted the most in life? which was a father to love me, to care for me, to shepherd me. He wasn't there. Why didn't you give that to me, God? And I felt like he said, son, you're lost, and I love you. You're my boy. Come to the front of the altar. Give me your life. I'll forgive you of your sins. I'll show you what it means to be a man. I'll send you on an adventure that you've never imagined. Give me your life. And friends, about the same time, my dad, who grew up Catholic, um, found a Bible in his cell. He started reading it. There's no priest, there's no pastor, uh, there's no reverend in that jail cell, just him and the Bible. He recognized that he needed to repent and give his life to Christ. And he asked Jesus to give him one thing. He said, God, bring my son. Bring my son back to me. There I was, just letting him be my dad once again, 20 years ago. There's a picture of him. Right here, me and Cecil Ramos Sr. together. I just saw him when I was going through LAX. Um, friends, how do we make disciples of all nations? We, we, uh, we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We love our neighbors, ourself. Do this and you shall live. Friends, life is so short. We are so thankful 
for your church to partner with us. I've been waiting for years to get in front of you and share what God is doing in Thailand. I have one, one, one last thing. There's a missionary, um, and she was from Bakersfield, California, middle, uh, middle-aged missionary. She went to the Middle East, and she wrote this um, letter to her pastor. It reads this. You should only be opening this letter in the event of my death. When God calls, there are no regrets. I try to share my heart with you as much as possible. My heart for the nations. I wasn't called to a place. I was called to him. To obey was my objective. To suffer was expected. His glory, my reward. His glory, my reward. The missionary's heart cares more than some thinks is wise, risks more than some thinks is safe, dreams more than some thinks is practical, expects more than some thinks is possible. I was not called to comfort or success, but to obedience. Friends, that's the heart of not just a missionary or a global worker who goes overseas. That should be the heart of every man, woman, and child who follows Jesus. I love you. I'm thankful for this opportunity. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this wonderful chance to share with my brothers and sisters your heart for the nations. When I say nations, Jesus, I don't just see a picture on a map or a crowd of people. I see the faces of my friends. I see my neighbors. I see people that that we get to do life with, that I see at the market. <laughs> Friends that my boys play soccer with, I see their face. And Jesus, you love them desperately. And I am desperate for you. Lord, you know that sometimes it feels isolated or alone, us there by ourselves. There's nothing special about my family, my wife and I. My two, two boys are just ordinary people trying to fall follow and serve you and to reflect you to the best of our ability. Help us the times that we come up short. Help us the times that we don't get it right. May they understand that forgiveness and that grace that I was able supernaturally to show my father. That's your heart. He desires that all people and all nations come to yourself, Jesus. May your name be made great. Your kingdom is advancing, Jesus, and you welcome us into it. What role do you have us to play? What role do you have my brothers and sisters here at Four Points to play? What do you want them to do? How do you want them to move? And how shall they act? I thank you, Lord, for your grace. I thank you for your goodness. May you be glorified and your enemies be horrified. In Jesus' name. I try to tell you guys, you don't want to miss today. It's going to be an incredible day for us, and I hope you've been blessed by hearing Cecil and Tracy's stories. Uh, so next July, we don't have the official date yet, we're going to be taking a team uh, for me being the pastor here on the first international trip we've ever gone on to Thailand. Uh, so we're going. But let me, let me go ahead and warn you, I'm not taking a team from here so that we can go be superheroes and save Thailand. I'm taking a team from here because we have a lot to learn from the believers in Thailand. Um, there is a rhythm of life. There is a communal way of going about living 
that um, as I've talked to Cecil, and we've been talking, we were talking the minivan on the way back and forth from God's country in Clemson yesterday, um, that uh, I want us to continue to learn from. And I think, I think we've gotten missions wrong. Uh, if you're not a missionary here telling people about Jesus, I, we have no business going to other countries to tell people about a God that we don't talk about to our own neighbors, one. And two, uh, I think that we got it in our minds that it's our job to go and save the world when really it's our job to abide in Jesus every day of our life. And if we abide in Jesus, then the Great Commission is fulfilled. If we love Jesus, then we end up having a love that we can give to our neighbor to extend to them as Cecil and Tracy were talking about today. And so we're gonna take a team because I want us to learn, not because I want us to necessarily go and like do something crazy. So um, that means for a lot of you, you'll, you'll get more information about it coming up in the next few weeks. But I, I, I can't think of a better way to end our service today than by taking communion with our brothers and sisters from Thailand that are with us. And so uh, I would ask that you stand to your feet. I've asked Pastor Joe.